You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Well, like Nat said, we are actually in week four of a series that we're calling This Is Us. It's a series on our 10 values as a church that make us uniquely us. And those values are filters for everything, every decision, every plan we make, the way we build and lead our teams, everything comes through these values. And so we think it's so important that we take some time to remind ourselves of who we are and who we're called to be. And so we're taking time to do that with each of our values. And so the value that we're talking about today is the value that passion is our response. And you may or may not know this, but all of our values are listed on our website at queencitypeople.com. And with each value, we actually have a specific written out statement for that value. And so I want to read you the statement on passion is our response. It says, We believe that the life of the believer should be lived passionately for Jesus. We believe that when we fully understand what Jesus has done for us, passion is the only reasonable response. Everything we do, we do it with passion. We choose to be passionate in our worship, our prayers, our serving, our giving, our sacrifice, and our response to the preaching of God's word. We believe that passion is contagious. We believe that our passion carries the potential to set the atmosphere of any environment. Passion drives us. Passion for Jesus, his church, and his people. Passion is our response. And so today, I want to answer three questions about passion. And here's the first question. What is passion? I think passion is such an interesting topic to get to talk about because it looks so many different ways in so many people's different people's minds. Like everyone gets a little bit of a different mental picture. And oftentimes what happens is the mental picture that we associate with passion is actually like some form of emotion, right? A lot of times it's like some form of extreme emotion, right? That we can't control because we're just so passionate. Um, but But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about passion, passion as a response. We're not talking about emotion um, because how many of you know that emotions are flighty? Emotions can come and go like that. If you're a parent, if you're a spouse, or you're a human, you've probably discovered that emotions, they come and go pretty quickly. And if we look at passion through that lens, then we can easily translate this value to emotion as our response, right? We can't, we're just a really emotional church. We can't help. We get emotional all the time. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about passion. And so I just want to level set a little bit, and, and let's just start out by defining passion. But before we get to that, I want to mention someone in the Bible. His name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Israel, which means he was a Jewish man who preached only to Jewish people. And Jeremiah served five different kings across the span of over 40 years. And in that 40 years, Jeremiah never saw one single convert. Not one person changed their direction or their mind or started following God because of his messages. And so um, if you think about it, you know, our church, if you got to be here a couple of weeks ago, we just got to celebrate our four year birthday 
as a church, which was really cool. And if you were here, you got to hear some of the things that God has done over those four years. We've seen over 1,100 people choose to start following Jesus, which is mind-blowing and incredible. But can you imagine if over those four years, every single week, we had incredible worship, and then Pastor Brian got up here, and he preached a message that was just burning in his heart, and nobody was here, and there was nobody in the seats, and nobody joined online, and nobody decided to start following Jesus. No, nobody even decided to come to church. And yet, week after week, day after day, for 40 years, he came and did the same thing over and over and over with absolutely no results. The likelihood that you are going to find someone that's willing to commit to that type of longevity with those type of results, it's very, very slim. And yet, that was Jeremiah's story. And to top it off, Jeremiah had a very difficult message from God that he had been asked to deliver to the Israelites. He didn't get to come up here and share good news like we get to do. Jeremiah's message was literally, turn back to God or we're all going to be destroyed. For 40 years, just turn back to God or we're all going to be destroyed. Um, so he he didn't get to share something that was very pleasant. And I actually think it's really ironic because there's a verse in Jeremiah that gets quoted very, very often. It's actually one of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it's, it's God speaking. And he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And for many of us, that might be our only context of the book of Jeremiah. So you might think it's just full of encouragement and vision and good things about what God wants for you. But if you actually read that book from the beginning, it's almost entirely gloom and doom up until that verse. Um, and so Jeremiah, he's not an angry man. He's not hateful. He loves his people. He loves his nation. And yet every day he's got to get up and declare Israel's destruction for 40 years. And, and so what keeps someone like that going for that long with those kinds of results? It's passion. It's not emotion. Jeremiah was not coasting on excitement to see what was going to happen next. Jeremiah was driven by passion. And so just a quick definition of passion for you. Passion is a deep-seated conviction that there is purpose and or value in what I am pursuing. A deep-seated conviction that there is purpose and or value in what I am pursuing. And if you were to ask the top athletes and top musicians, top performers in their craft about their experience getting to that level, that elite level, they will all tell you that it was a very, very hard and long and difficult path. Um, I don't know if anyone watched the U.S. Open. I, I got to watch the U.S. Open. I'm a massive tennis fan for about two weeks a year during the, during the U.S. Open. Um, I grew up in the era where Venus and Serena were starting, and as a young black girl seeing someone that looked like me, that had my hair and my build, and, and they were elite and incredible at something. It was so rare and so inspiring, and so I was obsessed with them. And so with this being Serena's like farewell tour, of course, I went into my Serena rabbit hole, my deep dive, the Instagram, Facebook, every quote I could find. 
And I actually came across this quote that I was like, that's mind blowing to me. And this is what she says. She says, luck has nothing to do with it. I have spent many, many hours, countless hours on the court working for my one moment in time. And, and get this, not knowing when it would come. Listen, what drives someone to remain emotionally and, and mentally and physically committed to a goal, even when they see absolutely no return? It's passion. And it doesn't always feel good. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 20, he's, taught, he's, he's basically venting, and this is what he says. He says, I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction because that's what you've told me to say, right? And so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And, and Jeremiah, he's not talking about something fun or exciting or a personality trait he can't, you know, do anything about. And the message wasn't his idea, and he's not even excited that he has to say it, right? Because it's made him an outcast. And yet, he says God's word is like a fire shut up in his bones. Because, and you really have to get this, when, when, when willpower runs out, passion kicks in. There's a guy um, whose name I'm literally not even going to try to pronounce. He was a famous philosopher. He was actually a founding figure of modern Western ph philosophy. And he said this. He said, nothing great in the world has ever been accomplished without passion. Um, and that's true. Nothing great has ever been accomplished without passion. But also, there are many just things that would not continue to exist without passion. Relationships, long-term relationships. People don't get to celebrate 50 years of marriage just coasting on emotion, right? Driven by emotion. There is a deep-seated conviction that we are going to do whatever it takes to make it to death do us part, right? It takes passion for that. Dreams take passion. Um, I was thinking about Queen City Church, which started as a dream. And um, I was thinking about actually, I was, um, I think this is like 2014. I was in the living room with my best friend, Joy, who I lived with at the time. And we were looking outside our big patio window and our Christmas tree was up, which means it could have been any time before April. And um, I looked at Joy and I was like, you know what would be amazing? As if the Cromers started a church, but I know it'll never happen. Um, but it, I just think it would be like so powerful and significant. And, and, and I see so much fruit in their leadership. And, and so it was just a quick conversation we went on and probably started watching Gilmore Girls. Um, and then about two weeks later, I was sitting in the office um, with Brian, because I used to be his assistant in Dallas, and he looks at me and he says, where do you see me in five to 10 years? Which if you know Brian, that's like not a standard, like, let's just shoot the breeze and chat about that kind of question. And so I literally was like stunned. And I remember feeling like I just hit puberty. Like I was like, oh, <laughs> Do you mean like in life or your career? <laughs> what kind of context are we talking about? And he was like, just anything. And I was like, well, 
I was kind of sitting in the living room with Joy, and I thought about how cool it would be if you started a church, but I know it's never going to happen. Don't judge me. I'm, you know, like, please don't even look at me. I know it's such a bizarre idea. And that was the day that I found out about the baby dream that God had put. Really, at that point, it was a challenge that God had put in, in Brian and Heather's hearts of like, what if this is what I've called you to do for the rest of your life? And I remember leaving and being like, I think I hear God. <laughs> um... <laughs> But over the next several years, and really even up until now, it's been a roller coaster of a journey. There were so many amazing highs where I got to watch God confirm everything that he was speaking to them through so many different channels. Um, and then there were parts where there were lows. And it reminds me of that roller, that wooden roller coaster at King's Island where you're like, this is awesome. And then at the end, if you're over like 25, you're like, I can't turn my neck to the left. I'm really like struggling. Um, there have been so many different seasons of this journey. And I remember our launch day and we were like, is anyone going to show up? It could just be us. And, and people came and people followed Jesus literally that first Sunday. And we got to hear about the life change of what was happening as God connected different people in our church and formed intentional relationships. And, um, and then in another e-brake roller coaster move, the pandemic hit. And we don't know anyone who's ever led a baby church through a pandemic. And so that was scary. And what do we do? And, and so we're in this kind of low. And then in an instant, God gave us the idea of the response team. And it was a team who was literally just dedicated to meeting people's needs in our community. If someone, you know, was at high risk for COVID, we would go get their their prescriptions for them or go grab their groceries or it was such a cool thing to see the church be the church in one of the most stressful seasons that we've seen our nation in you know today and and so that was really crazy and cool and overnight our church went online which was a miracle and for six months we were just online and not knowing who is part of queen city or anything like that and then we got to be back in person after six months and we were in memorial hall and um i remember we were there for several months but i remember about halfway in someone was like this place is beautiful and I remember being like, it literally reminds me of like the world's cutest Airbnb and you get in and you're like, look at these chairs and this furniture and that view. And then after day four, you're like, I really miss my bed. Um, and I, I felt like I really miss Withrow because this is where a story started and it just felt like home and I was ready to like have normalcy as we all were. Um, and, and then we finally got back to Withrow and it was like, it felt like homecoming. It felt like launch all over again. It was so sweet and so special. And, and now we're here. Um, but what many will not know is how many times there were moments for Brian and Heather, there were moments for our lead team that were like, this this is really, really hard and I'm exhausted and I'm weary and I don't know what we're supposed to do next. Um, there were moments where it's like you're, you're in this moment where maybe willpower runs out. But then you think about our city and you think about the state of our city and, and the people who are dealing with the literally epidemic of anxiety and depression like never before and people losing their jobs and the hopelessness and everything happening. And, and it's like it's like that Jeremiah moment where you're like, but hope. 
but hope and peace and joy are shut up in my bones like a fire and I can't stop. I can't stop because God has something for these people. And so by the grace of God and passion and conviction, we get to be here today because of a a literal like drive that what God is doing is that important that there's value and there's purpose in that. So dreams take passion. Faith takes passion. So what is passion? It is a deep seated conviction that there is purpose and or value in what I'm pursuing. We need that. Our world needs that. Here's the second question. What does passion look like? If we want to grow a church where passion is our response, like how do we live that out? Or what does that look like visually or practically? I, I know I mentioned different mental images. I was thinking through different, like when I think about passion, sometimes I think about sports, right? And when people are passionate about sports, what do they do? They're really loud. Are we supposed to be really loud as believers? You know, they, they paint their faces and their bodies, you know, are, am I supposed to wear Christian t-shirts to look the part? What does that look like? Is that what passion looks like? Um, or concerts. Have you ever seen a picture <laughs> of like girls at a Justin Bieber concert when he's touched one of their hands? And there's like just snot everywhere, mascara. It's just a nuisance of whatever. It's gone. Um, but they're in this moment where they feel like, I don't know if my life will ever get better than this moment. And I don't know if I ever want to leave. And I just want to experience that over and over. And I want to stand here and cry because it makes me feel so connected. Like, is passion like that where you kind of just can't control your emotions and you're stuck in a moment and you just want to do nothing else but be in this space? Is that what passion looks like? What does passion look like? And the truth is, passion looks different on different people. And a lot of times the mental picture we have, they're personality based. But passion is not personality based. Um, Passion, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. Passion is sometimes loud, but it's not always loud. It can be colorful, but it isn't always. Um, Sometimes passion is really aggressive and gets all up in your Kool-Aid. But it's not always like that. Passion looks different on different people. But you do need to know this, that everyone is passionate. There's never a question of whether or not you're passionate. It's what are you passionate about? And so if you're new here, maybe you just need a little bit of a refresher about who we are at Queen City and what we're passionate about. We are passionate about reaching all people and teaching them to have a relationship with God that just gets better and better and better because we do believe that when people have healthy, thriving, day-to-day relationships with God, things get better. And it may not get easier, but it gets better. Life gets better. Relationships get better. Mental health issues, anxiety, depression, anger, rage, those things get better. And we're passionate about seeing people experience John 10.10 life and life more abundantly. We are passionate about seeing people experience peace that passes understanding, peace that doesn't make sense, where you can have peace when you shouldn't be able to have peace. You can have hope when you shouldn't be able to have hope. You can have joy when you shouldn't be able to have joy. And we are passionate about seeing the weight of a lifetime fall off someone's shoulders when it finally clicks that Jesus is offering them instant forgiveness and never again do they have anything to make up for. 
We are passionate about all those things. And because Jesus provides those things to us, we are passionate about seeing people have relationships with Jesus. That is what we're passionate here. And, and so what does passionate look like? It looks whatever, it looks like whatever it looks like, but it is available and it is in everyone. And it doesn't have to look a certain way, but it does have to be expressed. It is going to come out. Um, again, no matter your personality. And, and I was thinking through some ways that passion comes out. One, we talk about the things we're passionate about, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever had a friend who had a new baby. I can, I can make fun of those people because I am one of those people. I tried to be really considerate, and so I created a separate Instagram for our son before he was born. So I was like, people may not want to see that. And then if you look at my feed, you have no idea he has a separate Instagram. <laughs> Um, my feet is just littered with Mav and my husband um, because I'm passionate about them. I love them so much. I believe there's so much purpose and, and you know, calling on their lives. And it's what I'm passionate. People talk about what they're passionate about. Um, people prioritize what they're passionate about, right? Um, I am unapologetically passionate about my kid getting sleep. <laughs> I think naps are straight from God himself. They are a gift. And so if you invite me somewhere between 12 and 2 or after 7.30 p.m., I might give you a hug and send you a card in the mail. Um, but, like, I'm going to make sure my kid gets some sleep because I have a deep-seated conviction about the quality of a human being he is after sleep. Um, we prioritize what we're passionate about. We also invite others to experience what we're passionate about, right? If you go to a really great restaurant, you have a really good meal, how often do we go back and be like, you have to go? And when you go, make sure you get this. Make sure you get the donuts from Soto, okay? Um, make sure you get this really great burger place. Hello, Poppy Tacos. Like, you got to experience this. Or when someone gets a new car and they're like, look at the car. Actually, don't look at the car. Get in the car. Sit in the seats. Feel the seats. Feel the heat warmers. Look how much leg room there is, right? People invite you to experience what they're passionate about. And if you call Queen City home, that is what we are calling you to today. We are calling you to a life that invites others into what you're passionate about and prioritizes what you're passionate about and talks about what we say you're passionate about. And it has nothing to do with your personality, whether you're extroverted, introverted, your Myers-Briggs, your Enneagram, none of that. It's not about that. It's about conviction. And conviction is like, it's that thing that just keeps you from like stopping because you're like, I know that 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 this is worth it. So you can stop me physically and I'm going to find another way. We used to say, hit a wall, scale a wall. If there's a wall, I'm getting over that wall. I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out because I have conviction that there's purpose in this. And so this is what I want to do. I want to read our church statement on passion again. And this time, I'm going to substitute the word conviction for passion because there was like a major click light bulb moment for me whenever I thought through that. And so um, whatever, if you need to close your eyes and close your eyes or if you just want to lean in and just like, I just want to make sure you're not just hearing this with your head, but like hear it with your heart and your soul. Okay. We believe that the life of the believer should be lived with conviction 
for Jesus. We believe that when we fully understand what Jesus has done for us, conviction is the only reasonable response. Everything we do, we do it with conviction. We choose to have conviction in our worship, our prayers, our serving, our giving, our sacrifice, and our response to the preaching of God's word. We believe that conviction is contagious. We believe that conviction carries the potential to set the atmosphere of any environment. Conviction drives us. Conviction for Jesus, his church, and his people. Conviction is our response. Listen, everybody is passionate, but if you call Queen City Church home, my question is, are you passionate about that? And that brings us to our third question, which is, how do I get passion or how do I get it back? I used to have it. See, I recognize that this question, it it fits differently, you know, on different people, depending on where you are in life or where you are in your walk with God. Um, For some, it's like, I've never really, I don't feel like I've ever experienced that sense of conviction, that sense of passion for anything. And I would like to, so what do I do? But then for many others, it's like, I used to have that. I remember when I used to go to church camp and I used to come back and I used to feel like I was so on fire for God and I was so driven to to change the world for him. I used to have that. Or I remember before the pandemic hit and I lost so much. I lost my job. I lost family or loved ones or I lost my sense of stability. I I used to have that. Or before I became a parent or a mom, I remember I, I used to have that and I want it back. I just don't know how. And I want to lean in a little bit to that second group um, because I recognize that as you're thinking through maybe feeling like you used to have that, sometimes those memories can be associated with some shame and some condemnation. And I just want you to hear that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is absolutely no shame. So I want to encourage you not to lean into that if you're experiencing any level of that today. But I do want to unapologetically encourage you to lean into conviction because conviction will always lead you towards Jesus and not away. And whether you belong to that first group and you're like, I feel like I'm new at this, or you're in that second group and you're like, I'm just trying to course correct right now. I also think it's important that you know that sometimes we limp through our seasons of passion. Um, I, I can say firsthand there have been a number of weeks where I've walked in and I literally feel like my soul is hanging by a thread. And if you ask me the wrong question, I'm going to unravel. And, and then I get up here and, and worship starts. And if I'm honest, sometimes I look at the words on the screen and I feel like my life is the exact opposite of the words that I'm reading. I'm reading, you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down, but I feel like I'm on my own and fending for myself in every possible way. And that's what I feel. But what I know and what is tied to that deep seated conviction, deep, deep down in the deepest recesses of my soul is that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing that he refreshes my soul, that he is guiding me, which means I am not alone. That those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I know that I know that I know. And, and somehow, some way, over time, things shift. I shift. My heart shifts. My perspective shifts. And the only thing that changes 
is that I've spent time with God in his presence, reacquainting myself with who he is and what he's done. There's a point in the book of Revelation where Jesus is speaking to the church at Ephesus and he essentially tells this whole church, he's like, you've done all this stuff really, really well. Like you've checked all the Christian box, you've served, you've led, you know, you've, you've been patient with people, you've done all the things. But there's just this one thing he says in, in, in chapter two, verse four, he says, but you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. And maybe you've, you're here and you've been in that space where you're like, God, I'm doing a lot for you. I'm serving. I'm trying to love the people I work with. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, show you to my family. I'm leading. I'm preaching, but I'm exhausted and I am too tired for passion. And if that's you, here's what he says to you. He says, first, consider. The verse says, consider how far you've fallen. And if you're not careful, you think that he's shaming you. He wants you to consider to feel shame, but that's not what it is. He wants you to consider to be reminded. Remember where you came from. Remember how good God is, how good your, your life is when you are closely connected to him. There's a verse in Psalm 34 where David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because if you've ever tasted of the goodness of God, you know that there is nothing like it. There's no counterfeit. There's no substitute. There's nothing that makes such a significant impact on your life, like a healthy, thriving relationship with Jesus. So he says, just, just, just remember, okay? Just take some time to remember my goodness. Here's the second thing. He says, repent and go do what you did before. And... <clears throat> This is two steps, right? First is repent, which is your mind. And then the second is go do, which is your body. And it all starts with your mind. See, if you change your mind, then your body will follow. Your actions will follow. But if you just try to change your actions, you'll eventually end up right where you left off. That's why they have such successful 12-step programs for addicts, because they walk them through a process of shifting how they think about that addiction so that they can experience long-term success. And so he calls us to repent, change our mind, and, and then go do what you did before. And what is that? And it's right there in the first part of the verse. He says, but you have forsaken the love you had at first. What Jesus is saying is he's just saying, spend time with me. Spend time with me. Get to know me again. Look at me. Know my heart, my kindness, how much I love you and I miss you and I need you and I want you. Just come spend time with me. Because you'll never fall in love with someone you never spend time with and you'll never stay in love with someone you don't make time for. Passion is a natural response to love, to being in love. We couldn't change that even if we wanted to. That's why our statement says we believe that when we fully understand what Jesus has done for us, passion is the only reasonable response. It's natural. It is a natural byproduct of becoming intimately acquainted or reacquainted with who Jesus is and what he has done for us. 
If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.